This week, our executive producer, Adam Gobeski, suggested we watch the 1927 Abel Gantz movie, Napoleon, the silent classic that all of our fans have been clamoring for us to do an episode about. But instead, in honor of the upcoming Oscars, Jessica and I went to the theater to see the 2017 movie, Lady Bird. Welcome to another episode of Cinematic Respect. I'm Charlie Wallace. I'm your first co-host. And I am your second co-host, Jessica Clares. Uh, hey, Jessica, it's Oscar season. Hooray. Huzzah. <laughs> uh, so we thought this month we'd take the opportunity to review a couple of the Best Picture nominees. And today we're going to start with... Uh, well, obviously, the 2017. <laughs> yeah, I was about to name the year. And I'm like, well, it's... The 2017 movie, uh, Lady Bird. So we went and saw that yesterday. That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I haven't got... So I think I've had a chance to watch about five of the Best Picture nominees this yeah, year. Yeah, no, you've watched a cons- yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> so this is how this actually went down, folks. Charlie calls me and is like, hey, I have this fabulous idea that for our next couple episodes, we should do Best Picture nominees. And I'm like, great. Here, let me look them up. You know, I'm busy working. I don't know what Charlie's doing, but uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, here, like, I like this one and this one. Like, what ones have you already seen? Assuming he's seen at least one. Oh, yeah, no, seriously, five. Like, <laughs> I'm like, well, uh, I don't know what to pick. <laughs> well, you named, like, two that I hadn't seen. And, well, like, cause... we could have seen that, and I was like, eh, those sound boring. Let's watch Lady Bird <laughs> again. Again, I'd yes. be totally happy to watch that one a second time. Yes. Um. So, quick synopsis of the movie. Uh, it stars Saoirse Ronan as Christine McPherson, a.k.a. Lady Bird, a name she has given herself. Yes. Uh, it's set in 2002, and she's in her senior year of high school. She's hopefully going to go off to college soon. And it's really just the story of that year and her relationship with her parents and the relationship with people around her. I mean, there's not tons more to say about exactly what the plot is is of the no, movie. No, no. Um, her mother's played by uh, Laurie Metcalf. I love Laurie Metcalf. And uh, she has a... Her first boyfriend uh, is played by Lucas Hedges and her second boyfriend is played by Timothy Chalamet. I, I mean, it is a very simple film. Like you said, it's, you know, giving a description of the plot really isn't going to spoil anything for anybody who's right. considering watching it. Even just in a... Even an abbreviated view of the trailer, you're going to know it's a coming of age film and i think that while there've been an insane number of those there's always you know some kind of a fresh take or nuance to to those kinds of stories so so i guess we should go over what it was actually nominated for this year it was nominated for a lot five things five things so mm-hmm. best picture best director greta gerwig best original screenplay also by greta gerwig Saoirse ronan is best actress and laurie metcalf is best supporting actress yes. So lots of women. Yeah, lots of women. And that kind of gives you an idea of what this movie is about. It's about, you know, it's, it's a very, very much yeah. a senior teenage girl. Right. Coming yes. of age story. Uh, um, and even though it takes place in California, I mean, even from the opening quote. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel very California. Right. Being in Sacramento, I felt like having grown up in the Midwest, I could very much identify with a lot. <laughs> they even said that. They said it, that Sacramento was like the, the Midwest. Midwest of California. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Which I thought was hysterical. And for being about a female character in high school, I thought, even for me, I thought there was still a lot to relate to. We both were graduating high school around that time, too. So 
Like I, they had a really great sense of like the time period, but yeah. then a lot of the sort of universal themes about high school too. Yeah, in a way that felt fresh and original. Um, so the way the the movie is constructed is so it, it is chronological. Mm-hmm. So it's telling the story of this year as it's happening, but it's a, mostly like a series of vignettes. Yes, it's one you, scene you goes hop to the around. Next. Yeah, you hop around. I mean each scene which may be 30 seconds or maybe a couple of minutes long skips to another scene that's sometimes a few hours later sometimes Months. a week or a month later and that's one of the huge strengths of the movie is that it managed to manages to go between those scenes so seamlessly it doesn't feel disjointed it yeah it doesn't feel disjointed it doesn't feel like you're you're hopping around but yet you accomplish the you know her the entirety of her senior year in an hour and a half and I thought that was one of the cool things too that made me that made me think about my high school experience too mm-hmm. was that this movie felt like not like living through high school but remembering high school. Yeah, well, or For just me. kind of iconic experiences, right? Because yes. I I feel like those are the things that I remember from high school are just these tiny scenes which may have been you know short periods of time apart or long periods of time apart. Um, so yeah, for me, it just felt like thinking back on all my experiences in high school. <laughs> I, I feel like it's a very honest look at those experiences mm-hmm. and um, not shaving off the edges at all. You know, sanding off the edges, I should say, sanding off yeah. the edges at all. Yeah. And where you're you're just kind of dealing with the things that are really embarrassing or really silly. Or there's definitely, I think, for most people, <laughs> well, uh, even though up through high school, maybe even into your senior year when you're really this young adult, and I think that a lot of TV shows and, and movies um, kind of portray people who are allegedly seniors in high school is being like way older having mm-hmm. these way more mature experiences than they are but i liked about this is it shows a lot of um how there's residual adolescence going on you know where there's silly goofy stupid things you're doing with your best friend or whatever that are still pretty childish when you're you know almost on the cusp of being a full-fledged adult right. and i think that was far more realistic i mean at least for my experiences. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Like the eating the communion wafers. <laughs> yes. I, that was exactly the scene I was thinking of. So that's really funny that you said that. Um, Because, yeah, they're just being silly, right? It's she and her best friend, like, laying on the floor, like, eating, a, like, a swiped, <laughs> I don't know, carton? What's the right word for communion wafers? Yeah, Anyways, I don't know. But, like, yeah. They have this big, like... Transparent yeah. jug, almost. Yeah. Of communion wafers. Of communion wafers. And when somebody yells at them, doesn't she say, like, what? They're not consecrated. Like, I don't remember. <laughs> And that's it. Like, it's just, they're snacking on, like, snacking on Jesus. <laughs> like, it's just, it's ridiculous. And so Lady Bird attends a Catholic private school, and her mother, Lori Metcalf, is the main driving force behind her going there. So she's not Catholic. Uh, you know it from the very first scene, because having been to Catholic services before and not being Catholic myself... Mm-hmm. As a non-Catholic, I can stand in line and when I get to the front, just hold my arms in a cross rather than taking communion. And that's what Lady Bird does. Yes. So, I mean, you know this too. Yes. Right? Well, so. yeah. And I mean, I I attended a Catholic university and I'm myself not Catholic. Right. So, so I saw exactly. some of these things. So like that first scene manages to tell you like that pretty instantly. I liked the opening sequence because like you said, it tells you a lot and it clues you in on the time period as well. So it's not like they boldly just say, oh, it's 2002, by the way. Um, At least I don't remember them just 
printing a date or anything like that on, no. the, on the screen. But you get it pretty quickly because of the context. I mean, they reference um, 9-11 not having been that long ago. Yes. You see them, you know, reciting, mm-hmm. you know, Hail Mary. You see them reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. Yep. And then, like, in the corner behind the flag, you totally have a, like, 9-11, like, yep. we'll never, never forget. forget. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, okay, all right, I know where we're at. But so Saoirse Ronan has a Best Actress nomination for this. And she does... A wonderful job. It required kind of a, this sounds maybe a little bit contrived, but fresh. Yeah. This kind of like young, fresh, where you could look innocent and adolescent while also right on the cusp of being an adult and right. being very sincere. Yeah. I don't know. It's I really... so self-assured, yes. too. It's very self-assured very performance. Very self-assured, yeah. Self-assured character, or s- strong, as her father puts it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's really, she did a very nice job. Yeah. And I guess it was her third nomination. So she was nominated for Brooklyn, which we were just talking about before the show, which was an amazing, amazing film. And Atonement, which I forgot she was in. And I loved Atonement when that was out yeah, she, 10 she years was ago a, or something. She was right? a little girl. A long time. Yeah. And it was funny because um, I haven't actually gotten around to seeing Brooklyn yet. Charlie and I were talking about it before we started taping. But when we we saw the movie, when we saw Lady Bird in the theater yesterday, I kept feeling like, man, I've seen her face. I've seen her face, but I can't remember. You know, I still have to look this up. And so um, it was funny that it was Atonement because it was, you know, right. that 10 years hard ago. Right. And so she was obviously pretty small. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's right. I remember. <laughs> um, and she's the focus of... Almost every scene in the movie, not every scene. There are some scenes that don't have her in it, but I thought that was the other really interesting thing about the movie is that so many of the scenes have her as the focus, but then have something else happening at the same time that isn't related to her. Mm -hmm. Like one really interesting character is the acting coach. Well, yeah, you know, you always have like a a teacher sponsor for for any of extracurricular activities yeah and yeah that's um being at a catholic school it's one of the priests who's yeah i even had to kind of ask when we all got in the car i'm like okay so i think this is what was supposed to be going on with him but is that am i right you know because he uh he was a very interesting character so i think it's a deliberate choice to not reveal a hundred percent of what that character is Mm -hmm. so we kind of do have to wonder because i think ladybird isn't asking those questions too or anyone really else around him is asking the questions about what's really going on with him we know that he loves acting and he loves teaching students and he just we, seems very genuine in his love of yeah being a part of this activity and we know that at least in a couple of scenes he's very down he seems very depressed and he doesn't think that people understand him and then suddenly he's gone yeah and you don't really know why you get an indication from one scene that maybe his wife and child have died, but it's told through a teenager in a way that you can't necessarily know if that's the truth. But from another scene later, you also know that he may be suicidal, but that's really all you get. And I, I that comment you made about um, how much they share about the characters or how much you get to know, because like you said, Lady Bird's not, not asking these questions. I feel like I, you see that again and again mm-hmm. um, in... One of the, you know, like the the math teacher and whether or not, like, is he shady? Is he skeezy? Oh, yeah. Is he totally a nice teacher, guy? Yeah. Is it just what they perceive him to be because they're teenagers and that's what they're hoping it means or whatever? Right. Um, so, yeah, the math yeah. teacher is Lady Bird's best friend, has a huge crush on the math teacher who, who says has very nice things to say about her friend. Yeah. But in a very sort of nice, 
way that doesn't necessarily seem... It seems a little... It seems a little inappropriate, A but... little inappropriate. I mean, it's not followed up with anything. Right. Like, I don't see any um, tangible behaviors. Right. Like, there's... I never it's saw just, him touch It's just overtly them, praising. But it's just yes. very praising and very, like, just, I don't know, special treatment. Right. But there's nothing exactly to suggest that he's not a, just a good guy doing that and doesn't understand that he shouldn't be showing favoritism. Because he doesn't show the same favoritism towards Lady Bird. Oh, definitely at not. all. Because she's not as good of a student. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we see him we see those scenes where she's or her friend's really crushing on him, but then we see that scene later where he's got his pregnant wife yeah. with him. And we, we don't get much. Yeah. But I think by the end of the movie we're able to get a good sense of who that character is. Yeah, so that's just like you said, I think you get bits and pieces that is mostly through the lens of seventeen, eighteen year old girls. Including including the views of their of her parents. Oh yes. So uh, obviously we have to talk about Laurie Metcalf, who plays Lady Bird's mother, Marion. Amazing performance. I mean, I've always liked Laurie Metcalf. I know you have too. I really like Laurie yeah. Metcalf. I think she's she's just steady. Yes. You know, what I'm saying like you don't see her in really. She's very rarely the focus of any particular scene or any of anything that she mm-hmm. does, television, movies, and I, I guess I've not seen her on stage. Yeah, she's so very I know big. She and, yeah, she's very big on stage. She's but she's just consistently good. Yeah, like really powerful performances. I remember, I mean, obviously I remember her from Roseanne. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've watched so many episodes of Roseanne and going back and watching that, I think uh, my sister had come to town when I lived in Madison. I don't know how long I've been living here. And for some reason, we just sat down and watched ton of, tons of episodes of Roseanne and we're like, wow, this show is really, really good. I didn't realize it back in the 90s when I was watching it yeah. as a kid, but it's like amazing. Yeah. I'm like, Lori Metcalf is just fantastic. She's so that. funny. Yeah. She's 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 a um, good comedian when women are are not often given credit for being good comedians. Mm-hmm. And again, just not doesn't have to be the center of attention, doesn't have to be whatever, but just a solid, consistent performer. She's always there. She's always has the right timing. She's just she's really good. I had forgotten how so in this movie, how neat of a character she is, how obsessed she is with looking appearances, clean. Mm-hmm. looking clean. Yep. How many loads of laundry she'll have to do if Lady Bird uses another two towel. towels. <laughs> I mean, it's fine if you use two towels, but, you know, you just need to tell me if you're going to use two towels because I need to plan. <laughs> <laughs> and she does. I mean, she's mm-hmm. so busy and she's working two double shifts. Double shifts, yep. And Lady Bird's father, played by Tracy Lett, says also lost lost his job. And Lady Bird at first doesn't realize this until her mother points it out. Points it out. Well, throws it in her face. Yes, I was going to say, points it out is way too kind. Yeah, it was so fascinating watching Laurie Metcalf this time, too, because the first time through, I was like, what a supportive, good mother. And Lady Bird just doesn't understand her. And then this time watching, I was a little bit more careful with watching her character. And I was like, wow, she is. She says some mean things that you shouldn't say to really, really mean things. Child. I had a really hard time with that part because I don't identify with it. Mm-hmm. My parents were always ridiculously positive. Um, and so watching it and I I kind of get where it's coming from. Like this is partially how she's coping with being responsible for everything. And she wants so much good for Ladybird. But oh my gosh, some of those things are just they're they're unnecessarily harsh. They serve no purpose. Right. And so I think that was just, you know, that I don't know, you're you're never gonna be able to get into that kind of a school, right. not with your grades. Well she wants Ladybird to be realistic because she knows that the money doesn't exist for her to do what she wants to do. I mean at the end by the end of the movie we realize that yes, there's a way to make it happen. Yeah. 
But yeah, it's that whole thing of like trying to adjust her expectations for what her life is going to be when maybe you shouldn't be doing that it to just, a kid. It, it was it was it was overly harsh. Oh yeah, it's super harsh. Super like, harsh. It's, multiple even if the, times. even if you feel that that is a um, even if you feel that that's an approach you should take as a parent, uh, you should not do it that way. <laughs> well, no, but it wasn't. I mean, if you say you know what you're you're really bright and I understand you really want this, but how unlikely this kind of a thing is to happen. But it's not the approach that's taken. The approach that's taken is you're not smart enough oh, or you're yeah. not dedicated enough. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there were just these things. Like I think for me, one of the ones that bothered me the most was when they're buying a prom dress oh, and they're yeah. in that thrift store and she picks one out and her mom's like, is it too pink? Like it was like she clearly really liked it. And this has nothing to do with anything like this Mm -hmm. is now not reflecting badly on anybody. And it's not going to ruin her future one way or the other. And it was like you could have just let this one go. Yeah. Yeah. Like she came out and she Saoirse Ronan was glowing, basically. It's just like like, this is the dress you could see just based on her expression. And and it's not it's not on purpose. Like, I don't know if her mother can help herself when she does this. I think it's who she is. And I thought Laurie Metcalf did a really good job of mixing these harsher moments with soft body language where you can see she maybe immediately regrets certain yes. things that she says. Yes. So in the particular scene I was just describing, um, you know, Saoirse Ronan goes back in the dressing room and she says through the door, like, you know, like, couldn't you just say that I looked pretty? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I thought you didn't care what I what I think. And she's like, well, I'd still like you to think yeah they're like pretty and laurie metcalf does this thing where you can tell she like kind of wants to say something and she just just kind of like brushes her fingertips but almost hesitantly just even against the door like it just like she would if she was like maybe thinking of putting her hand on her shoulder or Mm -hmm. you know something that's something almost affectionate and just kind of almost barely fingertips brush the door and pulls back there were a lot of little moments like that that i think laurie metcalf was able to be harsh verbally and softer physically to kind of show how she was torn and again, I noticed this time around watching Laurie Metcalf deal with other people that weren't in her family. Yes. And how f- absolutely friendly she was. Warm. A warm and wanted people to think of her kindly and asking about their, she asked about their children multiple times, like, how's the baby doing? Or here's a present for your child who, and it's just very, very concerned with appearances. It even blows up a little bit about it later. So Lucas Hedges plays the first boyfriend. Yes. Comes over. Lady Bird had made this comment about how she lives on the wrong side of the tracks to Lucas Hedges. Yes. Um, who then, when he comes to pick her up for a date, he mentions that to her parents, like that they're literally on the wrong side of the track. And then later in the movie, Laurie Metcalf brings it up. Like mm-hmm. she's, she should have just let it go, but she's internalized this fact that some other kid acknowledges, like, no, acknowledges yeah. mm-hmm. that they don't have as much money as everyone else and, and brings it up so much later. Mm-hmm. It could have even been months later. Oh, it was definitely months yeah. later. Yeah, because when he says it, he's coming to pick her up for Thanksgiving. And when she throws it out, it's in the spring sometime because it was when she's finding out what school she's going to go to. Yes. Yes. She's so upset about it. And it's, yeah, I found that fascinating because it is a common phrase. I don't know. We, as the audience, obviously get to witness the context in which Lady Bird uses it, but it's not meant to be hurtful or demeaning. Yeah. She's kind of a flippant joke that she makes. And, and yeah, she just attaches yeah I, I i it was very fascinating to me i did not have this experience myself but to watch what i think is oftentimes a common experience for females who are teenagers in in struggling in a relationship with their mother right around this age because you're trying to figure out who you are being independent but yet you still kind of need your mom and so i thought it was 
very genuine, um, showing kind of this very harsh, like, pendulum swing back and forth between needing her mother and not wanting to have mm-hmm. anything to do with her mother. Um, but I think, yeah, after she um, is with her second boyfriend and uh, has waited, waited and waited and decides to have sex with him. And when she's just, obviously, it's incredibly underwhelming um <laughs> and and you know her feelings get hurt and she's questioning you know her decisions and all of this and so her mom comes to pick her up and you know she completely falls apart and like you know leans into Lori Metcalf and they they have a really nice moment she doesn't choose that moment to blow up she doesn't you know whatever you know she could make all kinds of assumptions about what this is about and it could have been this huge thing and it, it's not and then other things that we think are incredibly minor they do get blown up and so I I felt I don't know. There was a lot of time spent in deciding what kinds of moments they were going to yeah, show and, between them. And spreading them out in a way that Mixing. really flowed yeah. very well. Yeah. So I, I wanted to take a brief moment to talk about kind of the, the time in which they choose to do this story. Um, I really appreciated it <laughs> um, that they decided to do it in the early 2000s. Yeah. And the reason for that is I, I'm very grateful that we essentially got to do this without too much of the internet and social media yeah. clouding it. Yeah. And that story will be told and it's going to be a huge thing and whatever, but but it was nice to have this story clean as interactions between people that happen face to face and 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 not have that tainting it. And I think it allows that lingering adolescence to still take place. Yeah. It doesn't force people to grow up quite so fast. And I know I'm saying this in a movie where the, you know she loses her virginity and you know whatever, <laughs> but still it feels it 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 felt something well, maybe just because I'm old now, that's something I could identify well, with. No, if you watch movies about teenagers that are coming out now, I mean, social media is built into it in one way or another and the mm-hmm. way that they interact. Cars watching I'll have to look up the name of it. Maybe I can post it on the the blog post. Some Netflix original Sort of like a uh, very like upbeat, not very serious teen movie mm-hmm. about a girl crushing on some guy and sure. you know whatever standard um, story. But yeah, it has a lot of social media talking about like her quitting her Facebook account and things like that. Yeah. Like, there's no way you can make a movie now without talking about that. So totally agree with what you're saying. I really liked it. I felt like the experiences that they give her. Even if you didn't personally have that experience, you know someone who did that, you know, her first boyfriend that she is crazy about. And I like that he is the kind of boyfriend that if you, as a parent of a daughter, like this is the kind of guy you'd want your daughter mm-hmm. to bring home first, at least on, <laughs> on the surface. Yeah. Right. Where he's clean cut and he's nice and, you know, they're in the play or, you know, some musical, mm-hmm. whatever together. And um, I don't know, he's. He's like super white. I mean, he's just like this <laughs> pleated front khaki geek. And um, I think one of my favorites is when they're laying together on their backs looking at the stars and they're making out. And she says, you can touch my boobs if you want. And he said, I respect you too much. <laughs> and I'm like, really? <laughs> like, I remember in the theater going, huh, all right. <laughs> but I was like, I can imagine that being something that a 17-year-old would think that they're supposed to say. Sure, sure. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. No, no, I, was, I wasn't I was saying it couldn't happen. It oh, was exactly. more like, no, that's, okay, all But right. that's what I enjoyed about the scene yeah. was like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously her her bubble is burst. Yeah. <laughs> she, uh, she definitely has to has to move forward and, and you know, be a little jaded. Yeah. Um, because, uh, yeah, she walks on him kissing another boy in a bathroom stall. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we have to talk about this too. Immediately afterward is my out. favorite yes. scene. Uh, so just hang out with her friend Julie, and they were listening to "Crash Into Me" yes. by the Dave Matthews, Dave Matthews band, band and singing along. But it's so they mean it. Yep. <laughs> so there's a this is I'm just going to quote this for a, have a second. So the silly um the Nick Hornby novel made into movie uh, about a boy. There's a part in there where he talks about it and it like freeze frames. It's like, there they were singing with their eyes closed. Like they meant it. <laughs> and this, that's what I feel like this scene is like they're, they're in a car and the scene is shot. Like if you had your, the seats fully reclined, so you're like laying on your back essentially. And so it's shot overhead of them, like laying in the car and they're holding hands and they are tearful as they're mouthing along slash singing, singing along to crash into me. The song means something to them. Yep. <laughs> and I was reading online a, an AV club article, which I'll put it in the post too. Mm-hmm. I'd forgotten that that song came out in the 90s so if this song was six years old already <laughs> in 2002 so lest we think like oh this was super popular at the time like no it wasn't it was already kind of like an older lame song at that point so when later mm-hmm. she's in the car with her new kind boyfriend of, her, her new jerky boyfriend uh, or yeah. i don't know if i want to call him a jerk more like a uh he's he's what you expect for boyfriend number two yeah kind of pretentious Played by Timothy Chalamet. Well, no, but I mean, pretentious isn't the right word. It's it's that it's it's having a hint, a tiny, tiny hint of things bigger than yourself, and not understanding them at all. But that's fair. You're giving him. I'm not giving him enough credit, probably, because because he just doesn't. He's okay. When I when I started college, and two of my best friends from high school went to the University of Minnesota, and the very first time I went to visit them in their dorm. We're talking like two weeks in to school and there's totally Ralph Nader posters in the window and they were passionate about Tibet. You know, it's like it's like that. <laughs> that's what this reminds me of, at least. Like the very first time you see him, he's reading Howard Zinn's, you know, that's, history, that's history of the I, United I guess... States. And yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, you're that guy. I should imagine him 10 years in the future and being like, maybe he mellowed out. <laughs> but he's a so little bit. douchey. Yeah. And he's so cocky and and just uninformed i mean just he has a shred of information and he's taken it and run with it i mean him lecturing her about smoking clove cigarettes yeah or about like oh you're gonna have so much bad sex in your life like don't worry about it like i'm so experienced like i don't even know how many people i've slept with i've slept with like six people and she's (laughs) like you don't know we're in high school And I have to say, I was a little bit appalled, too, which also shows, like, I don't know, I'm pretty boring and low-key here, because I'm like, you're, like, 17 years of sex with six people? <laughs> and badly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, really badly. Yeah, no, I think him lecturing about rolling your own cigarettes um, and trying, what did he say? He's, like, trying to be off the grid. And, uh, yeah, like, having a cell phone is just, like, you know, your government-issued tracker, tracking device, except you just buy it yourself. <laughs> and it's it's not like you haven't heard any of these little conspiracy theory nonsense things. It's just from this douchey 17-year-old kid who's obviously not anywhere near off the grid. And, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, it's not like you're not part of the capital, right. you know, capitalist system. Like, you're going to a Catholic school. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, we talked a little bit about that before, but... I mean, basically everybody at the Catholic school is rich. Not everyone. We know Lady Bird is not well-to-do and her family is not. And, and we you know, know her that, best friend isn't yes. really either. Yeah, her best friend isn't. We definitely see that later. But um, so, yeah, to especially to have him like and have a party. At, wait, the party was was the party at his house? No, the no, party was at her, her newer 
best I friend, see. the wealthy, snobby, whatever. Jenna, I think was her name. Yeah, but she's, you yeah. know, the, every, no matter where you went to school or whatever, there's that girl. Yep, yep. Just, yeah, the sort of, sort of like blase, like I'm too cool for school what, attitude. Which was perfect. And I think they couldn't have played it off better. Uh, I got a little bit excited about this. I'm not going to lie, because I very much identified with this, where the people who, quote unquote, peak in high school, who have it easy in high school, who are popular and well-liked and people want to be like them and whatever in high school, most of the time don't want to move on from that. They're yeah, the people who yeah, stay. Yeah, she doesn't. Yep. And she doesn't. It's funny because Lady Burks talks about how she can't wait to get out of Sacramento and she wants to go to the East Coast and she wants to do all these things. And this girl does not. She wants Which to stay funny right too, there. Because I noticed in the script that they put in, well, they were talking about like she's such an idiot or whatever. And they're like, no, she's an AP calculus. So mm-hmm. the, one, the thing that Lady Bird's really bad at, which is math, mm-hmm. this other girl is really good at. But she's not going to use that at all to do anything with her life. She wants to stay where she is. And Well, and specifically, she says she wants to raise her kids. Like, I want to raise my family here. Like, right. she's 17 or 18 years old. Which is fine. Yeah. But it's yeah. a little bit like, yeah. Yeah, no, I was just it's I knew a lot of people in high school that that was that was very true of. I mean, mm-hmm. I think obviously they're playing with some some pretty heavy handed stereotypes here. Um, I think they gave them a lot of authenticity and, and mm-hmm. the experience of it was very genuine. But, you know, your first boyfriend turning out to be gay, your second yeah. boyfriend turning out to be, you know, douchey yeah. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, falling into the traps of wanting popularity and if nothing else, the appearance of wealth, success. And then finding out that that's not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah, where everything is like there are these relatable experiences, but there's there's so much nuance in all of them, too, that makes the whole movie work. It really does. Yeah. Little things like her writing secretly the names of the boys she has crushes oh, on, on the wall, on the, on the yeah. wall right I started the reading her wall. Cell. I loved her wall. She just wrote all over it and like posters up everywhere. And, and then at the end, when she's moving out, she paints over everything. Everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was fun. No, it was it was great. I thought it was really sweet what they did do with yeah with her first boyfriend Danny. That obviously she sees him you know kissing another boy, which is going to be a big problem. I think they make a point of saying that he's from a big Catholic family and all of these things, and um, and so she doesn't really address it with him. She just kind of drops it, like it's implied that they're broken up and things are over now. Um, but yeah, months later they have him come to talk to her at and, the coffee shop yeah. at the coffee shop and it is heartbreaking like, yeah you feel really bad for this kid like, that you was just wanna, you there just were hug a him. couple of scenes that really got to be especially the second time around and that was one of them because even though i knew it was coming up i had forgotten that's the first time i noticed in the movie where she really stops and starts to take care of somebody else or to really focus on someone else other than herself and the whole time up to this point, I don't want it to seem like she's an atypical teenager or super selfish. I think it's a very teenager Normal. thing to be. It's just this is one of the first times where the focus shifts from her to somebody else. And at that scene, too, it, it's set against like a brick wall and she's standing in the doorway for the beginning of the scene kind of separate from him. And then like when that actually happens, she moves over. From the doorway, kind of towards yeah. She him. steps yeah. steps down from the doorway yeah. and is just you know basically holding him up. Yeah. So that scene and that one is immediately followed by I believe the acting teacher talking with Laurie Metcalf about 
having suicidal thoughts too. So it's kind of like a one-two punch. Yeah. In and in, in, in expressly asking her not to mention it to Ladybird, which I thought was it shows a couple of I mean it shows I don't know kind of being proud but also kind of wanting to protect students from the yeah. harsher, harsher realities. That's true. So all right, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the musical that they did. And I would not have even looked for this, except that there's. And I give shout out to another podcast that I listen to called Film Spotting, which is a big one. It's out of Chicago. It's like it's like a WBEZ show. You're right? saying to they don't need podcast. your shout out. Charlie? They do not need my shout out. <laughs> However, I did want to say that one of the guys on that show pointed out how funny it was that they did the musical that they did, which I had never rem- heard of. I don't know which one they did. So it's called Merrily We Roll Along. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-mm. And then afterward. The teacher, the acting teacher says, nobody got it. Like he's sitting there depressed. Oh, yeah. And nobody understands like what he was trying to do with it. Yeah. So I thought it was going to be very obvious joke kind of when I looked sure. it up like it was about suicide or something. Yeah. It's not really. It's a weird musical that's. So it's about a guy who becomes a really famous TV producer. Each scene goes backwards in time, starting with the farthest forward in time where he's very successful, but his life's kind of fallen apart. Okay. And you go backwards, he becomes less successful towards his earlier career, and things are working out better for him, like with the relationships and stuff that he has. Yeah. It keeps moving backwards until the very last scene is like him and these, like his best friend, and like the woman he's eventually going to marry and get divorced from, like hanging out and like looking up at the stars. And like they have like the whole world in front of them and the whole future in front of them. And it's like, that's kind of like, harsh to have kids <laughs> performing that play it is i did not know i've not heard yeah i didn't either like the only reason i looked it up was because of that and like oh that's a pretty, pretty like heavy. subtle <laughs> heavy nod to kind of laugh at if like to have like 16 17 year olds i mean yeah the, him basically trying to tell everyone was like yeah enjoy being a kid because your life's gonna eventually all be all goes to hell crap yeah <laughs> Um, I think we haven't mentioned much about the other, her other family members. So just kind of briefly touching on that. Um, I liked her relationship with her dad. You don't see him nearly as much. That's true. But I I liked their relationship. They're clearly close. Her father was really funny because I'm worried that that's the kind of father that I'm going to be. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you need to be kind of be a disciplinarian sometimes, right? And like, I'm afraid that I'm just going to be like the big softy or whatever that. He's very laid back, but they clearly have an understanding. But at kind of the cost of Laurie Metcalf having to take up the other necessary role, which is being realistic about things and, you know. Well, being, quote unquote, the bad guy. Yeah, she has to be the bad guy because he's going to be the good guy all the time. And she even points that out. Mm -hmm. And She's not wrong. Right. So as nice as he is, like, it's mm -hmm. also nice that you understand that he's actually putting something on Laurie Metcalf by not. By not participating. By not participating. Yeah. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe he only plays that role because he knows how hard it is to for Lady Bird to deal with her mother. It's, it's hard to tell. Like maybe it's a kind of a two-way street there. I don't know. It was it was interesting. I liked the way it was played because you definitely see that the two parents that they're a team. Yeah. And he defends her to Ladybird. Not in a, you know, don't say anything negative about your mother or luxury way, but in a like you need to understand she's a person kind of way and i think that that's something that you do figure out around this age it's 
it, it, it takes a while. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a while yeah. to sink in that your parents are people too and that they make mistakes and they have regrets and not every moment that they're telling you something do they later go, you know what, I, you know, absolutely, I wish I would have said it that way with yeah. those words, like, you know, whatever. And so um, I think he's a big driving force in in trying to explain that. And I liked that they were a team. Yeah. And I liked that she was obviously, um, Laurie Metcalf is obviously very supportive of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, there's times when she's clearly frustrated with all the stuff that she's juggling and all the responsibility that she's bearing. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, she loves him. She supports him. She's That's trying to true. help you him. You do see that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here talking about this with me too because <laughs> it's it's hard. It's it's easy just to see one side of it as you watch the movie and just completely miss that other side because these things are so coming so quickly and there's so many different scenes mm-hmm. that happen. But yeah, I forgot like we get that scene where Ladybird finds the anti-depression meds yeah. for her father too. So we know that he's going through something in addition to having lost his job like he's struggling with depression and But her mother's kind about it she is she's very kind about it she understands and you know that that medication is probably not cheap yeah and you know that it's a sacrifice and that he's not working but i mean she's not she's she doesn't speak badly of him no 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 and so i I really liked that about them um that they made them supportive of each other not that everything's perfect and not not necessarily that they agree with what each other's doing all the time but they're supportive a lot of, um, I think Tracy Letts, so I, I, I've, I swear, I think I've only seen him in one other thing. I was telling Charlie, I recently watched The Lovers on an airplane and it's a, it's, it's, it's an airplane movie. It's worth the <laughs> airplane movie. It's kind of a bummer, but it's, it's funny. And I feel like he, at least just watching those two performances by him back to back and those movies were made, you know, within a couple of years of each other, he has a way of being funny tinged with sadness. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can see that underneath. Like, mm-hmm. I mean. He's so friendly and the sort of guy like, ah, I'd want him to be my father and I want, mm-hmm. you know, or now I'd want him to be my friend, right? But you can see that kind of behind it. I, I think the scene that got me was right when, I think it's when Laurie Metcalf and Saoirse Ronan are going to really start fighting in the living room. Mm-hmm. And the father is there and he's on the computer playing solitaire. Mm-hmm. And like when they start talking about him or whatever, he like turns around and goes like, what? Like, he didn't know what was going on. And he's just sitting there, like, looking down at the ground the whole time. And, like, I don't know. There's just something in that scene, too, where you've got all of this tremendous, powerful, you know, drama, but also acting going on in the background. And then if you kind of look over there and to kind of see what he's doing, too, and just how... He's trying to kind of duck out of it or try to keep it from getting... But I also kind of felt the depression there, too. Like, I don't know. There's something to me about playing on one of those old CRT monitors, like a yeah. computer with one of those old CRT monitors in the corner of the room and playing solitaire because, you know, maybe you normally would have been at a job. I, I think I liked when he came in for her birthday with the cupcake. Oh, yeah. He comes There's into her room so with, a, with a cupcake with a candle in it and, you know, gives it to her for her birthday. And it's it's very sweet, the, the exchange. Because, again, this is another moment where he defends her mother and... So they kind of talk a little bit. And I just thought it was, so it's it's pretty serious subject matter. You know, they have this kind of little heart to heart or whatever. And she kind of starts to pull the cup, you know, pull the paper off the cupcake. She's like, you want some? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> like, there's just kind of this pause. Like, he's thinking about not saying yes. Like, he's thinking about letting her have the cold, cold cupcake. And then, no, that moment passes really quickly. He's like, yeah, yeah, I do. It was just, it was it was believable. Yeah. Very, very believable. I think the brother and the and the girlfriend are more just there for kind of a little bit of comic relief-ish. Yes. But, yes. but I feel like the girlfriend in particular, um, 
helps her to see her mother in a different way. Firstly, I, both times I saw this movie, I completely, I don't know why this didn't occur to me that Miguel was adopted. Of course he's adopted, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But until she comments about like, oh, of course you put your ethnicity on your college application yeah. and that's why you did got That's why you got it. into Berkeley. That's why you got into Berkeley, right? Yeah. It just helps you. You're like, oh, of course he's adopted. Like they've gone out of their way to adopt this other child. And then he gets in this long-term relationship with his girlfriend and they take her in yeah. too. And they're not well-to-do. Like they can't really afford yeah. anything. Yeah, I mean, they can't really afford they, anything, you, but they have such big hearts that- that you see where, you know, she's struggling just at the grocery store. Yeah. There's just, you know, like, oh, yeah. oh how discount, did, did I get the discount already? Yeah. Like, really? You know, and just how are we going to do this? You know, again and, and again. And the bills, like, so yeah, there's that scene where Shelly shows- Lady Bird, how to smoke clove cigarettes, which was so priceless. <laughs> I've I've never smoked. I, I I skipped that, but I remember having friends in high school who smoked clove cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> I have a very clear memory of that. And Lady Bird thinks it's so cool, it's like so cool. to smoke clove cigarettes. And then her boyfriend's like, "No, that's lame. Don't smoke those." Something about I don't fiberglass. Know, fiberglass. And... <laughs> that's what it was. And you're like, "Oh my gosh, kid, shut up." <laughs> but yeah, Shelly takes this. They're out smoking there together, and she's like, yeah, your mother's actually really cool. Like, she didn't have to take me in. Like, my parents kicked me out. And She said she really respected her. And I, I don't know. I think it's it's one of the – those just those little cracks where Lady Bird is starting to see her mother as a person. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to anything else. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to a mother. Yeah. Almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like how I, we see our mothers at that time of our life. Which is totally true. Because, I mean, I, I think I was definitely a little late to the party, um, personally, for starting to see my parents as people, mm-hmm. separate from their roles as my parents. And and the older you get, I think the more respect you have for choices that were made or difficult times where you look back and you go, how the hell did you, <laughs> yeah. you know, manage this scenario? Like, if I had to deal with that right now, I'd be horrible at it. So my mother was on our last episode, and I just remember in high school being so annoyed with her for <laughs> getting on my case about applying for colleges and like, well, you better write this this weekend because here's this deadline coming up, and then we got to work on all the financial aid stuff. And I was like, Mom, it's the weekend. Like, I don't want to do all this stuff. And then seeing Lady Bird on December 31st. <laughs> Mm-hmm. rushing her application at the last second to the post office as it closes like yes that was me <laughs> and like thinking back was like oh. oh no my mom was just like really really trying to help me out yeah it's like ugh, what were we thinking i don't know i definitely identified uh not to the same extent but i definitely identified with the um trying to keep everything clean or taking you know when you don't have a lot really taking care of the stuff that you do have yeah i feel like that was something that i was definitely raised with and so identified with that the you know i feel like even just the the very opening scene is ladybird and her mother in like a motel room where they've gone on a road trip to look at a college wasn't it yep yeah and her mother's made the bed and she's like smoothing out you know the top of the blanket or whatever and she's like mom you don't have to do that you know and she's like i know but you know yeah sometimes it's nice yeah and nice thing or for it to be nice for it to be nice yeah yeah, make things nice and clean and, and that's Played out again and again in terms of, you know, hanging up clothes and I don't know, all these different these different things. But um, or even in just one of their favorite pastimes, like when they're both of them are down, when they go out together, they go out to look at houses 
that are on the market. Yeah. And yeah. houses that they would never be able to afford. Right. And for for Ladybird, you see you see her face and you see kind of, you know, you imagine potentially what she might be thinking when she's going through these houses is like, oh, maybe someday I'll have a house with whatever. And it's it's much more sad to yeah. watch Laurie Metcalf because it's a rec- recognizing that she'll never right. have these things. Yeah. So that even kind of goes to what that whole play was or what the acting director was or the acting teacher was trying to tell everybody is like, yeah, there's in this movie, there's that difference between the adult characters who have a lot of their lives behind them kind of having to deal with all of these realities and then the kids who have so much ahead of them so much that they could be and just realizing that the kids will eventually be like the adults is kind of depressing or maybe the adults should realize like hey let your kids be yeah let ladybird not put away her clothes one night and Bird makes a great point. Like her mother comes in, says, "Like you can't just leave your clothes lying around." Like she's like, "Don't you wish when you were a child that your mother had just once not come into your room and bothered you about having your clothes be neat?" At which point, Laurie Metcalf comes back with, "My mother was an abusive alcoholic." <laughs> yep, just the one up right yep. there. Yep, and drop mic, exit room, and I mean she does that quite a bit. It was it was difficult for me to deal with that part of it, like with just the 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 harshness. But she clearly loves her and she clearly, clearly cares about her. And um, I think obviously this, this culminates in, you know, when Lady Bird gets into college. And I like that they, they don't really tell you where. It's in New York. That's yep. all you need to know. Yep. It's unimportant. Yep. <laughs> but she gets she gets into college and she um, you just barely, just she's there what? Like, I mean, she's just barely there. But, I mean, obviously you deal with the fact that, I mean, her mother finds out that she's even applied to the school mm-hmm. and she's not speaking to her. Which I have a very hard time with that. To me, that feels very childish and so hurtful. I mean, Ladybird's literally begging her to talk to her, mm-hmm. and she's just not. And she's just going about her business and just no eye contact, no, no nothing. And um, I get the impression there's a decent amount of time before she leaves for school. And you you see multiple scenes of of Laurie Metcalf, you know, writing, starting to write, trying to write something to say. Uh, to Ladybird, but just just can't do it. But I think the uh, dropping dropping her off at the airport was yeah that scene that was that was rough. That was really rough. Yeah. I mean, this will be this could definitely be on the Oscar reel. It's so good, yeah, because she it's so gradual, yeah. And I think pacing it out is key. Like it would take I don't know because I guess I would think you you knowing the whole story like you was the person who has the script and you know it's whatever yeah. is that you would want to rush to the part where you regret yeah. it and she doesn't she has maintains the stiff upper lip i am right i am standing on my side i'm standing my ground i am right i am doing this and just very slowly lets it crumble yeah and it's like about the amount of time it would take to go around in a loop Mm -hmm. at an airport right to decide Mm -hmm. rather than go off onto the exit of the highway that you're going to come around back around to the uh, same gate that you were just at and transitioning from the defiant driving away to the looping back where you're annoyed at the cars in front of you because they're keeping you from doing right. it faster. Mm-hmm. And like you, I, I very much felt, even though they don't show it, I even felt like almost like you see the signs through tears. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like through like teary, you know, the whatever your eyes welling up and just like move, move. I need to get I need to go see my kid. And I liked the scene that, you know, the the dad is. Yeah. It's waiting. Yeah. He knows she's she's going to come back. He knows she's going to regret it. Right. Right. And Lady Bird goes off to New York and... She um, finds the envelope in her suitcase that her oh, father yeah. has sent mm-hmm. her that are all of the failed attempts uh, by her mother to write her 
a letter yeah. of some sort. And it goes by pretty quickly. I feel like you just see flashes, but I did definitely notice that, um, like you said, with with Miguel having been adopted, there's, there's comments in each of the letters about how she was a miracle for them that Laurie Metcalf as a mother, whatever, was, I think, 42, it said in the scribbled oh, I didn't notes. catch that. Yeah, that she was like 42 when she was born. So clearly they didn't think they were going to be able to have children. It's her only, I mean, while I'm sh- they clearly love Miguel and, and, and take care of him and, and he's theirs, there's something different about, I mean, this is your only child when you didn't think you were going to be able to have children yeah. That's that, that changes that and maybe yeah. why she's harsher on her. Um but it's it's beautiful that you know she gets all these these fragments of letters and again the same kind of secret thing with her dad where he's like you know I wanted you to know how she felt but you know don't tell her I sent them. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that teamwork you were talking about too. I'm like, yeah, that's a really good point. That yeah, this wouldn't have happened if it weren't for both of those those parents working together to make that happen. So yeah, but again, another point where she's seeing her mom as a person. Yeah. Yeah. And so I loved that when she does decide to call her mom. I I told Charlie when we got out of the movie, I found the ending. I was surprised it was the end, I guess. Maybe not abrupt. I don't know if that's too harsh of a word. But I was surprised because I guess I felt like this was going to culminate in either uh, an in-person interaction with her mother or at least like verbal live over the phone. And really, it's it's a it's a voicemail. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I wasn't anticipating that. But it's. It's nice, and I like that they went out of their way in the very beginning of the movie to show Laurie Metcalf driving home from work. You see her noticing how the light comes through the trees and over, I don't know, a river and, you know, kind of like she's paying attention to everything as she drives by. And so when, you know, she finally calls, she's talking about that experience. And you don't get the impression that she's witnessed her mother watching those things before. But you see it's that same shot mirrored at the end and you see Laurie Metcalf again, but then you see you see Ladybird in those exact same shots. Mm-hmm. You see them oscillate between the mother and the daughter driving past the exact same spots. What it made me think of watching that scene um, made me think of earlier when she's meeting with the nun and she the nun has read her college essay. And um, she says, well, you clearly really love Sacramento. And she's like, well, I don't know about that. I mean, I I don't know. And she says something about like being familiar. Or yeah, something. I guess I just pay attention. Yeah, that's what she yeah. says. I guess I just pay attention. She's like, no, it's it's pretty obvious. You love it here. Yeah. So that's and she says, well, maybe there's not a difference. Maybe there's not a difference between paying attention to something and loving it. And that's her that's mother. the whole movie too. Yeah, that's yeah. her mother. That's what this is all about. It's about her learning to appreciate where it is that she came from, and as much as she hates on sacramento the whole time that she actually she loves, loves it. it there and thinks back about it and paying attention to the people around you and that's in some sense how you grow up is certainly starting to be less focused in on yourself and realize there's other the lives of the people around you well and appreciating what you already have and so you kind of have to go without it or experience something very different than it yeah appreciate yeah it. that's true yeah and i feel like that's what they did with her the douchey boyfriend and the new best friend mm-hmm. is by being in those experiences. First of all, having them not turn out at all what she thought they were going to be about. And then um, and thinking, you know, they were so much cooler and they were so much better. And I clearly have to be more like this. And then getting there and being like, this is awful. You guys suck. Mm-hmm. You know, like I need to I need to go back. And then I think going to New York and having this harsh experience. And yeah. it doesn't mean she's giving up. It doesn't mean she's leaving. I didn't get that impression from it. But just realizing what you had. So I guess overall, Jessica, what did you 
What did you think? I liked it. It's funny. I I feel better about it talking about it now Mm -hmm. than I did right after we left. Right. Because I think I was hung up on a few things that felt either unfinished or I was just struggling to deal with um, basically forgiving, (laughs) forgiving Laurie Metcalf for some of her harsher comments. Like, it's interesting how you carry that with you a little bit. It takes you time to process something that didn't even happen to you. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, talking through it makes me like it more. Because when we got done with it yesterday, I was glad I saw it, but I didn't necessarily feel like I needed to see it again. But talking about it kind of now I want to see it. Yeah. You know, I'd be happy to see it again. There's something... There's multiple things going on in every single scene. Mm-hmm. If you start looking for it, it's like, what's happening to her? And like, what's happening everywhere else? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I obviously I saw it a second time and suggested it when there were other movies we could go see because I thought it would be a good one to talk about. So yeah, Cara and I were definitely huge fans of it. And Cara, who is not on the podcast today, wanted to <laughs> recommend um, Francis Ha, which is a movie that uh, Greta Gerwig also wrote think maybe three four years ago I was say it's not that long yeah ago. black and white movie it stars her i think adam driver is also in it kind of similar themes well it's more of more themes of her being a young adult and not really growing up and kind of clinging on to to being a kid and mm-hmm. like not able to press progress with her life and that one was really fun too and that stars greta gerwig and mm. was written by her and um directed by her I think still current boyfriend noah bomback who wrote or helped write fantastic mr fox i don't know you want to recommend something i was looking at her wall this mm-hmm. time in her room and she had a rushmore poster oh she did yes i could recommend rushmore which is funny there's so many like of the people that had to do with this movie are like related to wes anderson in some way or another <laughs> like sir Sheridan was in his movies lucas hedges was in a couple of his movies and Greta or Noah Baumbach like helped write The Life Aquatic mm-hmm. and he helped. Write, I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny that they had that on there. And that made me think about, oh, yeah, Rushmore, which I don't think it's like this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is about high school, but it's so Wes Very, Anderson yeah. that it's hard to Very actually different. relate to it in the same way. Like, I'm like, no, my high school experiences experience was not the same as uh, in Rushmore. But that's definitely one I want to recommend. It made me become... So I'm a huge Jason Schwartzman mm. fan now, and I'll basically watch anything he's in and be entertained by it. So <laughs> that and him acting against Bill Murray. So yeah. any all those scenes that they have together where it's just this kind of punk kid actor. He must have, I mean, it would have been like maybe 17 at the yeah. time or something. He, he did young. this like working against Bill Murray in very fun Bill Murray role. So I generally like to stick with the theme when I recommend. So coming of age films, and there's so many. But I think the one I'm going to recommend is a movie called The Way, Way Back. Oh, yeah. Which he's younger. It's not high school, but I definitely would categorize it in the coming of age style film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's a quirky little yeah. independent film. I've, I have no, I have no data on this right now. I have nothing. I have no yeah, idea who it's it, by. It, um, <laughs> but it's. Um, it was uh, Sam Rockwell, I remember, was in it. He had a fun role. He like does. He played the amusement park or the water park the water owner, park yeah. owner and um tony collette plays his mother and you have uh steve carell play the douchey boyfriend oh yeah as um, douchey as i've ever seen and steve carell one of my favorite i mean i love everything she's in so i can't even say this but one of my favorite allison janney uh roles she is the like perpetually drunk neighbor who's awful and amazing you love her (laughs) and she's just ridiculous and i adore her um no but it's 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 in a very like i said a very coming of age i feel like you can identify with with a lot of the struggles and it feels silly 
yet relatable, warm. Mm. And spoiler alert, the way, way back, the title is referring to the way, way back of the station wagon. I didn't understand that. Because there's the back seat that's, you know, and then there's the way, way back. Well, that's not even a spoiler because they don't explain it in the movie. I think Cara had to explain it to me afterward. I'm like, she's like, you don't know what the way, way back is? And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) We totally had a station wagon um, when I was little, like, you know, like the brown fake wood paneling, you know, sweet ones. And yeah, flipping up the very back seat that faces backwards. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we always, you know, we would fight over who got to sit in the way, way back. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know why it's called that because it's not like you called the back seat the way back. So I don't know why it was two ways, but it was. It wasn't just the back and then the way back. It was the way, way back. Yeah. I don't know. It I was can't all, explain it. I yeah. Don't even know. I don't know. It's the Midwest, man. What can I tell you? <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, summer road trips from Minneapolis to Minot, North Dakota in the way, way back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's our show for this week. Um, hopefully, next episode, we're going to do another one of the Best Picture nominees, maybe. Get a guest in here, perhaps. Um, that's all I got, man. See you all next time. Yep. Stay with us. Hang with us, guys. <laughs> wraps it up thanks so much for joining us we had a great time hope you really enjoyed it tune in next time when we'll be introducing another friend to one of our favorite movies see you then Should we discuss? What do we want to see? I don't know. There's some good choices out there. There's some good choices. I, I know that the shape of water is out. It doesn't have to be out. I think Cara <laughs> just didn't want to see it again. She wasn't again. into the whole merman <laughs> human relationship, I, which is I, a big sticking yeah. point, which is actually, I don't know, something I could expound on for a long time, actually. But <laughs> uh, three billboards. Three billboards. Would be a good one to see. I yeah. love Frances McDormand. So, you yeah. know, yeah, there's that. Um, I am a big history dork so i have no problem with seeing a darkest hour let's do that i could do that too i think we should do that because that's one that i would not normally see yeah wouldn't normally see but we got gary oldman right so there i mean huh yeah just just watch it for that